Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert. So drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. Uh, I hope you have your coveralls on. We all have our coveralls on and we're all uh, all ready to get all oily and greased up and uh, talk cars for the next couple of hours. Our auto expert, the crew is here. Ryan and Jen and we are going to visit some really fun things that we've been up to uh, this week. Uh, Ryan and I got to drive the new Rolls-Royce, which I'm getting beaten up about, by the way. A lot of people telling me that it looks like a funeral car, like a hearse. Probably because they didn't get to drive it, huh? Yeah, the driving was the best part of it. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, it does look different. It's got a two, two and a half box design, uh, sort of very square, very large, very Queen Elizabeth limo style vehicle. Uh, definitely, if you're in the limo business and you have very uh, rich clients, you should think about driving this kid. And you have to practice your wave if you're in a Rolls Royce in the back. Um, disgusting price, by the way, $350,000 and up. But what uh, do you get in it for that? Three white seats for that price. Handmade uh, white seats. Handmade white seats, two-inch white lamb's wool carpet. I did mention to Rolls Royce that... They encourage you to take your shoes and socks off when you drive their vehicles because they have that two-inch lamb's wool carpet in all of them, unless you order not lamb's wool carpet, which is sometimes things like hessian rugs, depending on how bespoke the vehicle is. I said, but there's nowhere to put your shoes. And uh, they said, well, you can put them under the seat. I said, well, we have a little shoe holder in the door. That would be really bespoke. Like, I could get out, I could take my shoes and socks off, maybe a couple of clips there to hang my socks on the door and put a couple of shoes in, in like a door pocket. <laughs> Does this one have the umbrella in the door? Oh, of course they all do. <laughs> so yeah. cool. The umbrella in the door. Uh, the one that we sat in, the Cullinan that was kind of on display outside the front of the hotel in Jackson Hole that we drove, had not only a whiskey uh, decanter. decanter with uh, Rolls Royce glasses, but it had a champagne fridge behind that. So if you weren't happy enough with a bottle of whiskey, you would have champagne too. And the theater seats, and yeah. then it had glass behind you, so it's completely, it's just... And just in case you have kids that spill grape juice on your Rolls Royce, they had special like covers that go over the seat that you could replace for about $4,000 a piece uh, in case someone spilled grape juice on your white seats, which had turquoise beading on them too. It was very luxurious. The only thing about the Cullinan, which I am not too keen about, is the colors that they had on display were a little... They were sort of grays and dark. You know, there was no, I, I want to see a gunmetal gray or. You got 44,000 colors. They could have thrown out a bright green or a, a bright yellow, like that bright yellow one from like construction worker vest color. Yeah. Uh, they could have done something fun. What color would you choose in your $350,000 Rolls Royce, Jim? I'd have to have it bespoke. I'd have to. Well, they're all bespoke. Well, but give me an idea. What's your, what color would you paint your car if you could choose any color? I love that turquoise color. The lake, the aquamarine. Yeah, that they came yeah. out with. I think it was the dawn. Was it the dawn that they? Yeah, they're all bespoke again. So it could have been. Yeah. What with, about you, Ryan? With the white interior. I want Ben Ben Sloss's color. The yellow, the, the dark, yellow. The midnight blue with the yellow is just. Oh. It was godly. It was that, so beautiful. It is godly. Did you just sing? Is this news radio? Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can have any color you want. So we got to drive that. That was uh, part of the stuff that we've done this week. Uh, we're also going to get to talk to Fiat. They have a special 1957 Fiat 500 that is uh, coming out. We're going to talk to Andrea Deliz. Deliz? Deliz. Deliz. What's the guess? She's Italian if she works for Fiat. 
She lives in Detroit, I know that, because she has a Detroit phone number. Must be Italian. Going to give her a call. Deliz. Hello. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Halloween. If you want to carve a pumpkin with a car on it, we might have a secret to tell you about where you can find cars to carve on your pumpkin. Uh, Perry Stern going to join us to talk about that Rolls Royce trip. Uh, Perry was on it the day before Ryan and I went on the trip. So he'll have some insight from him, see if he thinks it's the ugliest car ever. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Hurricane Michael and uh, vehicles. Toyota, Lexus, and several other people have some pretty cool deals if you got caught in a hurricane. I wonder if we can all get in on this. Like cool deals and just no, that would be in, inappropriate, improper. Uh, we're going to talk about the new Volvo <laughs> V and S60. Uh, I was in Santa Monica this week test driving them, and it's the first Volvo to be made in the United States, the S60, in a factory. So we have a heartwarming story to tell you about my communication with one of the factory workers on the floor and made people cry. For good reasons, not for bad reasons. <laughs> Anton Woolman joining us as well to talk about what's going on in the stock market. Tesla, um, he's crazy, but he sure has some really cool insights. Don't and say stock market right now. You're going to hurt some people's feelings. Uh, it's too late. It's out there. Um, if, it, if something bad happens, it wasn't because I did it. <laughs> so we're going to talk about all that on the show. And, uh, and so, Ryan, what was your best takeaway from the Rolls-Royce event? You know that thing on the front of the Rolls-Royce, the spirit of ecstasy? The thing? I saw that thing. The Pantheon grill? I saw that thing. No, the, the, the spirit emblem. of ecstasy pointing towards the sky. At 7,500 feet. We were pointing towards the sky uh, off -roading. on a mountain. Yeah. Off-roading in a Rolls-Royce was, it, it felt so wrong. And at the same time, it was like, this is, this is what we're supposed to be doing. I've never this had this experience. And uh, maybe we have enough time. Jeff, do we have enough time to tell this story? Yeah. We have one minute. I'm going to say two minutes. I'm going to tell, tell this story in two minutes. Here we go. I've never been on an event when somebody got arrested. And that's what happened on our event. Uh, somebody got arrested on oh, our yeah. event. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, we were sitting in the car driving on the off-road track in this Rolls, $350,000 Rolls-Royce Cullinan. And this, the, lots there's, of lots of, there's lots of locals walking up and down these tracks on the mountain where we were. Snow Cap Mountain, I think it was called. Snow King Mountain. Snow King. And uh, this guy, we have to stop and wait for them to go around the car before we continue because the road is so narrow. So we stopped and people were sort of going around the car. This guy, we stopped. He walked around the car, and as he got to the side, there was a drop-off, a little bit of, not a big drop-off, maybe two feet. But as he got to the side, he walked past us, and I thought, maybe I didn't leave him enough room to get by, because I was quite far over, but maybe he had like six inches to a foot to walk past the car. And uh, he like banged the side of the car. And I was wondering, uh, did he slip and fall, grab the door handle? What I, wasn't, I heard him do it. We, 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 we all seat. looked at each other in the car. There was Ryan and I and somebody from Rolls-Royce, one of the drivers. And we all looked at each other and like, what, what happened? What's yeah. going on? Is he okay? Did he fall? And, and so the Rolls-Royce guy like texted. This guy walked past the car, maybe hit the side. We're not quite sure what happened, but he kept going. He didn't stop. And so we think he's okay. And five or six other drivers said, yeah, when he walked past, he uh, banged the side of the other cars. Uh, anyway, the guy was a Navy SEAL who ran the mountain, went and got him and took him down to the police station. He spent the, uh, he, he spent the time in the police station hitting our Rolls Royce. The true Rolls Royce True experience. Rolls Royce story. More to come on our auto expert. Got some Fiat from 1957. you got to love that, Ryan. Isn't that the year you were born? Oh, yeah. That's uh, all coming up on our auto expert. Keep listening. More of our auto expert with Nick Miles is coming up. Your engines and you're off. Back to our auto expert with Nick Miles. 
uh, it's Sunday, which means it's time to talk cars. Our auto expert on the radio with you, Ryan, Nick, and Jen. Uh, wh- Jen, have you ever driven a Fiat 500? Yes. And uh, Ryan, I know because we've been together when you've driven. We the Abarth is my favorite right now because it has uh, so many really awesome sounds. They went actually through 16 different exhausts until they came up with the right exhaust for the Abarth. And I, I mean, you know, you, you got to love it. You have a, a very small, sexy Italian car, and you put your foot down, and it sounds like it's five times the size. That's my favorite thing. No one expects it. that little car to see, I, did, I missed that. I drove the electric version. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. How did that sound? Very quiet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Joining us on the phone is Andrea Deleuze. Uh, she is from Fiat. Uh, good morning. Uh, by the way, I have to ask you, Andrea, are you Italian with a, a last name like Deleuze? Am I Hello. Um, I am not from Italy, but I do have some ancestry uh, from Italy. So All right. I like to say I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit Italian. You see that? <laughs> Which part? That would actually work out really well because, uh, you know, you work for obviously a, a brand that is based in Italy. So it, that's nice. Well done. Uh, by the way, <laughs> is, it, is it snowing in Detroit yet? It's not snowing. It's actually beautiful today. The weather is in the 60s and it, we had a beautiful sunny day, but we know that it, it's coming, the snow. I have to go to Milwaukee tomorrow, Chicago the following day, Indianapolis, and I'm like, it says 30 degrees to 42. I'm like, it's going to snow. That's nice in Detroit, though, right? (laughs) There's no snow. (laughs) No, yeah, there's no snow yet, and and you should be okay when you go traveling, but, I mean, you never know in the Midwest, you know? The weather is, is a little up and down. I'm driving a Jeep Wrangler, so if bad things happen, I'll be okay. Oh, there you go. Then, then you're set if you're in a Wrangler. Right. Uh, let's talk about this 1957 Fiat 500. So a real throwback to uh, the beginnings of the Fiat brand? Yeah. So um, basically, the Fiat 500 1957 edition celebrates our iconic Italian style and fun-to-drive dynamics, which is inspired by the original 1957 Fiat Nuova. Um, so really, the exterior of the car comes in three unique colors. We have a select blue, a verde chiaro green, and a white, and it has, you know, retro badging all, um, throughout the vehicle on the exterior and the interior. It has um, retro fascia, white accents on the outside, and then unique ivory seats with brown leather on the inside. Um, so, you know, we brought it back by popular demand. Our customers absolutely loved it last time we offered it in 2016, um, and we're really excited about it, and MSRP starts at about 995 for for that package. I know somebody in L.A. that bought a, a 2016 or one in, in the blue, right? It was like, it's a, it's a powder blue. Yeah. What's the actual name of the, the color? Celeste Blue. Yeah, Celeste Blue. I, I saw them driving it. And at the uh, Ryan, I took a picture of Ryan next to an original Fiat 500 at the Quail okay. this year. Uh, someone brought one to Quail. It was in the parking lot, strangely enough, at Quail. And it, uh, the original is about half the size, I think, of the new one. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite smaller. It, it shows how these have changed. And Ryan is about twice as tall as the car. So imagine. I feel like I could almost pick it up. I could probably pick it up. The I, could, I could pick it up. The new one, probably not. <laughs> I could pick it up. Are you sure? No, Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is a TV segment right here. Ryan picking up a Fiat 500. The uh, <laughs> short series. <laughs> the the retro. And you said it was brought. Right. You said it was brought back, um, Andrea, by popular demand. So, were custom, customers asking for it? Yeah, customers were asking about it. Our dealers were asking about it. I think they were really um, bummed when we when we stopped making it for 2017. So we knew, you know, within the brand that we, we had to bring it back and we had to 
uh, you know, and it's even better this time because it comes standard with our turbo engine. Um, so, you know, it's, it's quicker than it used to be, but it still has that cool retro-inspired look. When, when you say quicker, um, is that zero to 60 mile an hour time or top speed? I guess it would be faster. Well, it has more horsepower. So it's 34% more power than it had in 2016 and 53% more torque. Wow, that, I mean, those are big numbers. Uh, that that's a lot there. The uh, you say it starts for just under twenty thousand uh, dollars. You know, with gas prices creeping up, I think the last time I bought gas it was three fifty eight. So I think you guys bought gas recently. When did you buy gas? Uh, regularly, I have a Land Rover that sucks out oh, okay. of gas. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, I think the last time I bought. It, so with gas prices going up, are you finding that a lot of people are switching out of the big trucks into smaller cars like the five hundred? Well, you know, not everybody. We know that the the large car, large SUV market is growing, but I think there is a you know a still still but still we still have the buyer that wants the small car and they they don't need all of that room in a big car. And it's really perfect when you're in a city and you're trying to get into a tight parking spot, or if you know you just go to work every day and don't really go anywhere else. You don't need a whole bunch of cargo space. You know, the 500 is the car for you. And and once you get inside. You know, you don't feel like you're in a really small car. It's spacious, um, and it has that unique look that we all know and love for the, from the Fiat brand. So, yeah, um, I don't think that everybody wants a small car, but I think there are, you know, a certain group of people who still love their small cars. They don't need all that space. Does it still come with a supermodel? Because you used, used to have an Italian supermodel <laughs> that used to, uh, you know, do your ads. You know, uh, it does not come with an Italian <sighs> supermodel. <laughs> um, so sorry about that. That 1957 package that we're talking about, is that only in a BART, or does it come in in a BART? Well, no, you cannot get it out in a BART. It comes off the lounge model. It's actually a package off the lounge model. <clears throat> but like I said, um, you know, the pop and lounge both come standard with a turbo engine now. So that was new for 2017 model year. So our pop and our lounge both come standard with, a, with a, our multi-air turbo engine, which gets you 135 horsepower, 150 pound-foot of torque. Um, twin intercoolers and sport-tuned exhaust, and a completely sporty exterior look. So you have 16-inch wheels, performance braking, body color rear fascias, a sport spoiler, fog lamp, and a turbo badge. So That's supposedly you could just get that Abart uh, exhaust from Mopar, though, right? Yeah, I mean, it is a, Mopar does sell it as an aftermarket um, uh, accessory, so you could, yeah. Let's, uh, let's ask you about a couple of things on the features on the interior. So I remember seeing the 1957 version in 2016, what's new, Chrysler, what's new, maybe the 2015 Chrysler, what's new event, uh, FCA, what's new event in, uh, in Michigan. And it, it didn't have, um, you had, you know, you're famous at FCA for your infotainment screens, which are really big, 8x8, eight eight, but it had a sort of a very cool version of that with all the same sort of tech that you have from your big infotainments, but it had it had all the uh, the stuff in like a single line. So what's the infotainment like in the new version of the vehicle? Well, we our radio was not updated for this package. So the one that you saw is probably the same one that we have. I'm not sure exactly which model you saw. But it wasn't updated, but we still have our Uconnect, you know, five-inch um, <clears throat> five screen. Um, and, you know, you can get Sirius XM on it. We have Beats Audio. 
Um, and now we have a rear, a standard rear backup camera. As Wait, well. be- Beats audio on a little car like that? Doesn't the whole car like shake <laughs> when you put the Beats on? <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds incredible. It's exercise exclusive, so we're very proud to have that in our car. We actually, uh, Ryan and I ran into the guy that invented Beats uh, audio. Oh, yeah? And an event at Pebble Beach, Which yeah. One? Uh, I'm not. Which one was it? He, 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 I remember his father was riding a Segway. That's all I remember about him. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I remember he he showed up in a Bentley Bentega to a Rolls Royce party, and everyone was staring at him like, ah, oh, the wrong car guy. <laughs> yeah, he should have been driving a Fiat 500. Yeah, that's what's wrong exactly. with it. That was wrong with the whole picture. Uh, the 2019s are they on sale already for the Fiat 500 with the uh, 1957 package? Not yet. So we will start, you'll start to see 2019 Fiat 500s in the summer of next year. All right. So 2018 stock to keep customers happy. Okay. Uh, it depends what, who the car company is, but some people have their, uh, the cars, you know, like six months, uh, before 2019 hits and some people do it yeah. actually in 2019, which is, you know, interesting. Uh, when does the Fiat 500 get a refresh? Um, you know what? I can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a trick question. <laughs> you know I was going to say that? <laughs> so, I have a question. What parts on this Fiat 500 are built in Italy? Are there any? Um, so, the, the engine comes from Italy. Our new turbo engine, that, that comes from, from Italy. All right. Well, you actually get some Italian with your car, even though the supermodel may not be with uh, with a car anymore. At least you get the the car, uh, you know, for the engine that comes from Italian. Yeah. Uh, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to our auto expert still to come on the show. We have so much more, including finding out about how you can carve a very cool car on your Halloween pumpkin. We have all the insight and how to do that on our auto expert. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back to the show. You can always hear us 24-7 ourautoexpert.com. The previous million shows. I'm not sure how many there are. Jan, have you counted? No. Um, right. I'm assuming. I think we're at 43 for this year. Uh, the new, yes. A lot of shows at ourautoexpert.com. You can... Uh, you can play them back at your leisure. You could download them on your phone. You could uh, have parties where you play them to your friends. Uh, you could have evenings uh, uh, on the beach lying back and playing our auto expert with the ones you love. It's 86 hands. hours. You can literally binge listen to the to show. Nick. It's better yeah. than, I can tell you, you get more out of our auto expert uh, podcast than you would out of Netflix. Yeah. There's a lot of car stuff that you could be listening to. We've had some amazing moments, and we still have some amazing moments to come. I know, because I've planned them. Uh, have you, you planned ever? them? Yes. Wait a minute. What? The amazing, <laughs> I've, I've planned the amazing parts. Do you? Yeah. Okay. All right. I just write all the amazing parts. Yeah, I thought you wrote everything else. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, do you guys, do you, uh, Jen, do you carve pumpkins? Uh, yeah, I used to do it every year. No, used to? Yeah. That's past tense. Do you carve pumpkins currently? No. Ryan? I, I mean, I haven't carved one in a while. I know right. how to. Yeah. Right. How long ago was the last time you carved a pumpkin? Maybe like three years ago. Why, why don't you <laughs> carve pumpkins? Because that's a good question. The seeds in them are it's amazing. Messy. Yeah. It's well, messy. It's fun. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, a lot it's of fun. Messy. It's fun, but messy. But yeah, Plus, my son doesn't live here anymore, so. Yeah, your son's how old? Old. No, no, come on, how old? He's 26. 26. He'll be 26. When was the last time you carved a pumpkin with him? 
uh, right before he left for the military. Uh, when he was 18, ago? yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, eight years ago then. Yeah. All right. So, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you that I don't carve pumpkins because two reasons. I have dogs. They will eat them. And they eat everything that falls <laughs> on the floor. And the other reason is they're really messy. But they're fun. They're, they are fun, but they're messy. Do you cook the seeds? That's, uh, I, I've done it a couple of times. My I like parents pumpkins. do that it's every year. It's much easier to buy them from the store. Yeah, but my you parents know, like, love that smell. It reminds them of fall. Or How something. many pumpkin seeds can you honestly eat too? I don't eat What's them. What's the dogs? The you know, all these dogs. Dogs love pumpkin. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Have you ever seen a dog after he's eating a whole pumpkin? You don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. I uh, I want to pop pumpkins, but I'm I'm just not stimulated enough. Until Jen pointed something <laughs> out to me that now you can carve cars on pumpkins. Yes. Uh, tell me about it, Jen. So basically, um, Nissan, Chevrolet, Ford, Disney, of course, and a few other um, manufacturers are actually... Wait, 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 wait. Disney's not a car company. No, but they made... Cars. Cars, the movie. Cars. Oh, all right. You know, cars. the Steve McQueen, Just Lightning saying, McQueen. Disney's in a car company. Ka-chow, ka-chow, ka-chow. <laughs> a Mickey Mouse does not count as a car to be carved on no, a pumpkin. Watch the movies, That was the best kids movie. I know. It was so cute. All right. Back to pumpkins. Okay. Sorry. sorry. Concentrate. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, so you can pick your favorite car pretty much. Nissan has the Leaf right now. Chevrolet has the LZ1 Mustang. Yeah. Yeah. Mustang actually. uh, Ford has the Mustang and the built Ford Tough Sign and a few others. And then- Ooh, I kind of like doing the built Ford Tough Sign, except the pumpkins aren't built tough. Because you drive over those things and they just squish- I'm going to keep my comments to myself. All right, sorry. Speaking of this, we were just at that Rolls Royce event, and we were talking with them about all the fake things that are all over the internet and how they have a department that actually looks for all these fake things. So this is an actual Ford Mustang. Is this on the Ford site that you found this, or is this a knockoff? No, these are listed from the... Well, you have it right there. The manufacturers These are genuine Ford parts. Wait, 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 wait. If it's not a genuine Rolls Royce pumpkin uh template. stencil yeah yeah i don't think it really counts to be honest with you. <laughs> we need to talk nobody's to selling these yeah they're free i don't you care if it's a genuine rolls royce or not i'm still carving in my pumpkin i'm calling rolls Wait royce a right second. now i didn't say rolls royce first of all spirit of ecstasy <laughs> that'd be a, in cool a pumpkin one. yeah that would be cool oh that would be really cool doing it and then if you don't like a car company you could carve the pumpkin of it and then drive over it oh you mean like <laughs> yes, them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you I think the radio it. cut out. Did you just say Tesla? Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> we're going to uh, have to call Anton on that one. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, if you would like to, Jen, are we going to post these somewhere so people can carve pumpkins with car names on them? That would be fantastic. If you guys want to do that, you can email me at jen at testmiles.com and I'll post them on our website. All right, jen, testmiles.com. She'll, uh, and she'll also post them. Uh, you're just giving your website out now. You're the email My email address, address and, I yeah. know. I just thought about that. <laughs> as long as she doesn't say she's single, it's all okay. Oh, now it's all on the table. All right, you're in trouble now, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> carving beautiful cars in pumpkins is what this segment is about, just to put us back on track. Uh, I will, uh, you know what we should do? We should do our own. Let's do one and have a competition and post them online and see if people, first of all, can guess what car it is. So Built Ford Tough doesn't count because you better read yeah. that one. So see if people can guess what car it is. Can I hire my then, dad to do one? No. <laughs> Cheating. And then uh, and then people could vote on which one they like the best. We won't say who's who, right? 
Yeah, we and won't say that. Vote. And Ryan, no, like employing some artist you know to do it. She, I can just see his eyes working. I'm like, not a very artistic <laughs> person. Good. <laughs> Mine will look just like yours then. A <laughs> lie. B lie. You are a very artistic person. And, artistic. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you, we can actually. F- I want. I want us to vote on that. I want us to vote on that. I'm offended now. I I want us to vote on who does the best pumpkin. All right, yeah. I think, yeah, the public should vote. On your pumpkin carving? Yeah. Do you know which one? I can't say which one you're going to do. It's kind oh, of obvious. God, we know which one she's going to do. I know. Be a big old truck. No, she's going to do a Chevy. We're yeah, all going to know which she does. She's got to do a car, not the symbol. All right, still more to come on the show. I'm going to talk to Perry Stern from MSN. He does all the writing for MSN.com, and Perry was on the Rolls-Royce event. We'll find out what he thought about the Cullen, and he took it off-road, and he drove all over Jackson Hole in Wyoming. We're going to find out the price of the car and all the specs you need to know, because you need a new Cullen, our auto expert. Our auto expert with Nick Miles is on the way. Our auto expert continues. Here's your host, Nick Miles. So here's the embarrassing thing about being at the Rolls-Royce event. Um, I've been saving a pair of Rolls-Royce cufflinks uh, for about 18 months, and I sat down to lunch with Torsten Müller-Utwurst and uh, Richard Carter. Torsten is the CEO of Rolls-Royce, and Richard Carter is the head of PR for the world for Rolls-Royce, head of uh, public relations. And I said, I've been, I've got cufflinks here, Rolls-Royce cufflinks. I've saved them for 18 months to wear them. And Richard turned to me and says, we don't make cufflinks. <laughs> He's like, let me see those. <laughs> they, were, they were knocked off. Oh. <laughs> it was just really highly embarrassing, um, which, you know, you just have to live with. Uh, joining us on the phone, he writes a lot of the content that you'll read on msn.com, Seattle native Perry Stern. Uh, Perry, what was your favorite thing about the Cullinan event? Uh, I think uh, I want to sit in the big bucket seats in the back and drink champagne and uh, have people drive me around off-road. Isn't that what you usually do? Isn't that how life is for you uh, You normally? <laughs> in my mind, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, so big question. Is this Cullinan going to be a huge success for Rolls-Royce or is it going to be, uh, you know, it's getting an awful lot of uh, people accusing it of being ugly? Well, it's, I wouldn't say it's any more ugly or less ugly than any other Rolls Royce. I mean, it's it looks a lot like any other Rolls Royce if you look at the front. Uh, and I think it will be a success for them because, you know, as they were pointing out, there are a lot of people that have Rolls Royces, but then buy a Lexus or a Range Rover because Rolls Royce doesn't offer an SUV. Now they do. Now you can have a whole garage and it truly full is of Rolls Royce of SUVs. Right. It's and it's capable too. We got to experience that, right? Exactly. We actually took it off-road, uh, got a couple pictures of a wheel off the ground as it was uh, maneuvering around some pretty tight corners. And uh, it actually is really smooth off-road, which is, you know, a lot of these four-wheel drives are very capable, but the ride is not terribly nice. Where this one has such great technology with the air suspension, it actually has cameras that monitor the road surfaces ahead and actually uh, react to those road surfaces to keep the road the ride as smooth as possible so it's and it's a Rolls Royce I mean it's all designed to be quiet and smooth and solid and and just 
feel like uh, you've made it. My favorite part of it, and I think it's probably Ryan's favorite part too, is that when you come close to an object, for instance, it sets off the sonar on the side of the car, it turns the side camera on, and as that object, as you drive by that object, it will automatically switch to camera angles so you can focus on that object, and it's done in a 3D fashion. So you actually see the car from the side and you see it from the object's point of view. So you see how close it is. It's kind of hard to explain. You kind of have to see it. It is. But. It is. I mean, it, and it's amazing the technology they can do with cameras and that sort of thing. Um, and you know, the same thing with off-roading in this vehicle is there's a view that's basically looking out the front. So even if you can't see over that massive hood, and it is a massive hood, uh, you can see rocks and other things that might be in your way as you're climbing up uh, ski hills, which is what we did in a Rolls-Royce, which uh, is pretty unusual. Is anybody going to take their Rolls-Royce uh, Cullinan off-road? I think they might take it, you know, off the road to their, you know, luxury cabin that's off in the middle of nowhere. But um, I would say that most of them are going to be off-road if they happen to go up on the curb while they're picking up their kids. <laughs> <in private. laughs> that's exactly what I think, too. I think it's just like Range Rovers. Yeah, I think, uh, what is it, less than 0.01% of Range Rover owners have ever taken their vehicle off-road. Yeah, it takes 10 years for a Range Rover to go off-road. And I think Range Rovers actually... I think Range Rovers actually go off-road more than most other luxury SUVs. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's and I've always found that interesting with Lexus and a lot of these others is they build these vehicles that are ridiculously capable, uh, and it's it's kind of the equivalent of having a 250-mile-an-hour top speed. It's to say that you could climb that mountain, not that you're going to. Oh, I've ridden with you in a car, Perry, when we've, uh, when we've been on the Autobahn. <laughs> I've experienced I've experienced 248. It might have been kilometers now, but I've experienced it with you. Uh, you know, one of the things I found about this car, and let's see if you find the same thing, is it numbs the off-road experience. It's so big. It's so easy to drive. It's so luxurious that you almost don't realize you're off-roading. I think in, in most conditions, at least the conditions we drove that in, you'd be right. Um, I don't think this is set up for anything severe. I mean, anything that you're going to go take your Wrangler on, you know, climbing over rocks and things, that's really not what this car is about. I mean, this car really is about taking that dirt road to, you know, some wonderful place that nobody can afford. I don't know. I found it. I found some of the roads I probably wouldn't take my Camry down there. You know, they were, they were that challenging. You'd probably want a good 4 by 4 some of those roads up the mountain, too. And, and to see how people were struggling walking up or biking up the mountain when we were actually uh, driving up it, they were struggling a little bit to get through the bumps and, and those type of things. So, I, I mean, my personal feeling is I thought the car was extremely capable. Now, I know it's not extreme, but the same... Oh, not, I'm, no, there's no question it's capable. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I'm more of, you know, what are people actually going to use it for? But yes, it was extremely capable. Um, you know, it's got plenty of power. It's got really good traction. Uh, it's got plenty of ground clearance. And with that air suspension that actually pushes a wheel into the ground um, for better traction as it as the ground surface changes. I mean, it it has great technology for you know really taking advantage of what this car can do. I like the fact that it uh, does the raise and the lower of the height. That's really cool, and it's, it will do stuff automatically. Now, a lot of times when people uh, bespoke out 
their Rolls Royces. They're doing in finer things on the inside, uh, uh, humidors for cigars. Um, they're doing special dog beds in the back. They're making things more luxurious, more comfortable, brighter, more aesthetic colors. And traditionally, when you customize an off-road vehicle, you're putting on light bars and roll cages and that sort of thing. So how are people <laughs> going to bespoke out their Rolls Royce? Somebody will do roll it. Roll cage inside but it? I don't I'm think just, so. I'm just, I'm just laughing, imagining big fog lights on the top of a roof of a great <laughs> Cullinan uh, and a roll bar and, you know, big off-road tires. I really want to see that. I do, too. I, I, you know something? It won't be long before someone will do some ridiculous lift on one of these things. Like $350,000 and another $300,000 of off-road parts or something. Wait until they start putting tow hitches on the back to, to take a camper. That, that's, that's when it's going to get exactly. to serious vacation time. Uh, the, the thing with these cars is the back orders... For this vehicle now means that if you were ordered today, you wouldn't receive your vehicle in the model in the year 90, 2019. The delivery would be in 2020. Do you think that's going to put people off or do you think that's going to make it more palatable? The fact is you can't get one of these vehicles for over a year now. I think part, you know, part of what people buy when they buy something like this is exclusivity. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, I think a very, very valuable thing for somebody to know that they're not going to show up at a stoplight and see another Cullinan park next to them. So I think they're willing to wait. And most of the people who are buying one of these, my guess is, you know, it's, they've bought other cars of this type, um, be it another Rolls Royce or something else. You know, you know, most people aren't buying their first car is $350,000, $400,000 cars. So they're used to that special, you know, it's something special. So you wait for it. And that's exactly what Torsten said to us when we were on the trip was that this is all an exclusivity brand. It's not about getting volume out, even though this is an SUV and it's, it potentially could make volume for Rolls Royce. That's not what it's about. They want to make sure that when you're on the road that you don't see two R's sitting next to you at the stoplight. Exactly. And if you do, the odds of it being anything like yours are pretty nil. Right. Um, do you think... And if you sit back and look at this, do you think that we're going to start to see an awful lot of people um, customizing these cars uh, crazily? Uh, one of the things that Rolls-Royce have done, of course, have done the black badge cars where they sort of done matte paint and, and lots of exclusive things on these vehicles. Or do you think they're going to be more serene? We're going to not see so many matte and multicolored vehicles on the outside. We're going to see a lot of darker, less conspicuous colors. Because my feeling is this is more of a limo than I've ever seen from Rolls Royce. It has a huge cabin in the back. I can almost stand up in it. Not, not many people can, but, but I'm short enough I can almost stand up in it. Do you think that there's going to be uh, a lot of people that are sort of just going to have them as uh, very quiet, sedately limos, or do you think that they're going to bespoke them out to have lots of crazy colors? I think that it's going to be, you know, there'll be a little bit of both. I think that, you know, Rolls Royce has, you know, for lack of a better term, counselors to help people determine, you know, what kind of customization they want to make to their car. Uh, and, you know, they're going to make sure that if someone says, you know, I want this yellow with purple spots, it's like, you know, if you, you're, they're willing to do whatever you want them to do, but they're going to help you realize what it is you're actually buying. And so I think, you know, for these, I think it probably will be more subtle. It would be interesting to see one in camouflage. I could see that happening uh, more so than when any other Rolls Royce ever. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, 
there, you know, we've seen some pretty outlandish Rolls Royces in the past and some crazy colors. I mean, there's a gentleman, uh, uh, Mr. Fuchs, 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 who Fuchs Michael Fuchs, his new yeah. Rolls Royce every year at, at the Quail. And it's, you know, they've actually developed unique colors specifically for him. And so they're willing to do whatever it is you want and just have to open your checkbook a little wider. Um, did you see when we were in the hotel in Jackson Hole, did you see, or in Jackson, Wyoming, did you see the picnic sets that they had set out on the table in the display room? I did. I think that they had a picnic set, and I think they had an espresso set, if I remember correctly. It was correctly. actually a cocktail um, set. Uh, well, which is, I guess, more appropriate, but exactly. I, I'm sure that you could get an espresso <laughs> set if you wanted. Did you, did you, did you uh, see the price? the lounge seats, or the, what's that? Did you see the price? No, I didn't see the price. $40,000. But the knives are magnetic. Is that a four zero or 14? Four zero. Uh, yeah. Well, I, don't, it, I don't know if you saw at Pebble Beach, they created a perfect tiny model of the Cullinan. Yeah. It was about a two feet long, foot and a half long. That was $17,000 for that little model. Uh, for an extra 10, I believe it was. I'm not sure on the price. You could get it to match exactly your Cullinan. Uh, and it was so detailed that I took pictures of it and you couldn't tell that it was a model. I did the same thing. My uh, kids, so yeah. uh, my kids need to have the perfect toys. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I imagine Rolls Royce would say it's not a toy. Oh yeah. yeah, of course they would. How silly me! I'm, I've just now messed the whole thing up. Uh, do you do yeah. you expect to? They sort of have a full gamut of things now, and, and we sort of have the secret that 2020 will uh, will see a new ghost from Rolls Royce. Uh, that's probably the next thing on the tables. They've had two releases this year: the uh, the Phantom, which is their largest and the most exclusive car in the world, and now the SU the Rolls Royce of SUVs, which is the Cullinan. Uh, and I also like i would like to point out to everyone if you don't know where the name cullinan comes from by the way it was her majesty the queen's uh there were the biggest diamond uh given to the royal family that was ever discovered at the time they named the car the cullinan it was the biggest diamond except since then they've discovered one that was a slightly bigger and i love the story in the presentation period i'm sure you were there that the guy that cut the diamond for the first time took a year to plan it and of course, the first cut in a diamond has to be made by hand. When he struck the cut, he fainted because he was worried he'd have broken it. So it's actually now nine diamonds, which is what they had planned. And two of them, one is in the Her Majesty the Queen's crown, the other is in her scepter. I'm um, not sure what happened to the other seven, but uh, that's... Uh, more rings. More rings. <laughs> Probably more rings. <laughs> All right, Perry. Well, I, I wonder, are you going to be on the waiting list for Cullinan? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, once I get the Phantom, I figured I should get the Cullinan, too. Oh, Perry Stern. <laughs> you can read his stuff at msn.com. Uh, thanks, Perry, for joining us. Our auto expert, we're going to come back with a second hour of oh, unbelievable stuff. We're going to be talking about uh, the new Volvo. We're also going to have the discussions about Tesla. It's, it's full. It's full. Don't go away. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Our auto expert will be right back. Our auto expert with Nick Miles.
In the second hour of Talking Cars here on our Auto Expert, uh, we have a very wide breadth of social media for you to follow. Our Auto Expert on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can see pictures of brand new cars, trucks, and SUVs that we get to drive before they hit dealers. You can also follow the latest automotive news, which is an awful lot of it updated by Jen and Ryan. And uh, you can find out about some new projects that we have on the table. Plus, you can listen to all of the previous shows at ourautoexpert.com sign up to social media sign up to the website and send us uh, lots of notes of things that you like to know about because we have all the answers at least we pretend that we have all of the answers uh, there's a lot of hurricanes going on all on the last I would say five years we've had an extremely large amount of hurricanes that seem to dominate the news Michael currently on the east coast and uh, one of the things that car companies are doing is they're trying to bring some relief to cars now sales was uh, supposedly down uh, this year because of hurricanes. Uh, slow start in those states that had hurricane problems. Sales not as robust as the auto industry would have liked to have seen them. And so car companies are now responding. Auto for automobile manufacturers are now responding to try and get sales up as well. And Jen, you've been taking a look at this. Um, what are the car companies doing? So Toyota and Nissan and Lexus so far have offered deferred payments, um, redirecting billing statements, and online payments. So, th I mean, that's nice of them to help out, but uh, surely if somebody's car is damaged, you'd expect it to be insured. Well, that would be mm. more the insurance company yeah. versus the actual manufacturer. Um, and then also Nissan is offering um, employee pricing on, new, on a new vehicle with deferred payments. Uh, you know what? It sounds like a good deal. Um, and interestingly enough, we have a hurricane-ready Nissan that we're building right now, which is going to be revealed at uh, SEMA coming up. The uh, the aftermarket show, which is in Las Vegas over the Halloween period, uh, we have worked uh, very hard with Nissan, with the guys at Wheelcraft Northwest, and with Hard Notch Customs out of Vancouver, Washington, to build this Nissan truck along with a Mossy Nissan in San Diego. Uh, the truck will be unveiled, and it's part of a project that we've been doing called the Animal Rescue Rigs, which is a charity that we set up to provide emergency vehicles for shelters during hurricanes so they could go out and rescue animals, which uh, is, I think, probably the best thing that we could do. I, I already have five dogs. I can't adopt anymore. I, well, I'd like to, but I've been told I'll be living in the garage. So <laughs> if I adopt anymore. So at this point, now I have to do other things to help you, everybody out there in Radioland, to adopt more dogs that need homes after uh, hurricanes. And those type of things. So, Jen, you don't have any. That means five for you. And, Ryan, you have two. I have two. cats. I have two. That's fine. I'll three. adopt two. some more cats. You have three. Mm -hmm. So you have room for two and you have room for five. So seven dogs on their way. Five no, and ten. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Dogs are super cute, but I have cats. All right. And I'll we'll leave it seven. at that. I'll take the seven. I'll take the seven cats. I'll be the cat lady. You at least call your wife first. Again, Jen is single. <laughs> then, Yay. Do you, do you want to at least talk to your wife first, Ryan? I don't hear her calling in, so I think All we're right. good. So fire, good. Uh, seven dogs for Ryan. Uh, animal rescue rig. So right now we have a Nissan Titan. Uh, the Titan has been uh, modified to um, help 
in these sort of situations by having a six inch lift on it. It also has a hard notch customs bumpers, which uh, look pretty mean and aggressive. You could probably hang off one of those with a, you know, with a harness. There's several thousand dollars worth of metal fabrication. Right, $25,000 worth yeah. of At least yeah. on this vehicle. Uh, they have put a frame in the back and uh, a slider bed uh, supplied by Lund, I believe, that, uh, that that's sort of in the back. And on top is a raft, which uh, Nissan uh, supplied. And the raft is there so you could get out into the water where the, where the truck won't go. Because, you know, it doesn't go. It, even though it has a six and a half inch, half inch lift on a Titan, it won't go everywhere. No, I have a six and a half on my truck with 32s. And Wait, the- how tall are you? <laughs> we discuss this all the time. How tall are you? Four foot eleven and three quarters of an There's inch. a rope ladder that falls out from <laughs> <laughs> it. But what I'm saying is, and I love it. The fact she's four foot eleven and three quarters. That's right. Almost five. That's right. And but can, still, can you walk under your truck? No, I can't walk oh. under my all truck. Right, just but it's fantastic though for oil changes. Is it? Yeah, because you don't have to lift the truck. You just climb underneath there. Do you do change it. your own oil? And my dad helps me. Mm-hmm. I, I have I, a problem getting the filter Ryan, off. Ryan, do you change your oil? What oil? <laughs> yeah, Ryan doesn't even know. He's <laughs> he has, Ryan has Toyotas, so he knows how, never has to worry about oil. oil. Uh, I just sand in there and it keeps going. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. Oh, yeah, Someone's don't do that. Don't that. do that. <laughs> I just changed my Jen, light. Do you know what we've car? just discovered on the show? What? You are the only person to change your own oil. Losers, right now, complete losers. We uh, we don't we don't do our own car maintenance. Mm. We just like to talk. We about sign it. a contract that actually says that we're not allowed to change the oil. Well, you're not, uh, Ryan. I, don't, I wouldn't trust Ryan to change my oil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, break it. This is oil, right? <laughs> I, I, I got the oil uh, filter off with a screwdriver and a mallet. <laughs> <laughs> Being single, you have to learn how to do all these things on your own. Oh, here it comes right back at me. That's right. <laughs> Touche. Uh, Jen, you are a catch for some guy that uh, likes trucks. Change your own oil. Yeah. You have two trucks with six and a half inch lifts. Yes. They both got six and a half inch lifts no. on? Just my monster truck. You know, What's, farmers only. They should have like mechanics only. Then yeah. I have the Camaro. Wait, wait, stop. Let's go back. And How tall is the one six and a half inches off the ground? Which they're both Chevys, aren't they? Yes. Well, how tall is the other one? Standard. What's oh like? It's a twenty five hundred HD. <laughs> Standard. She owns a twenty five hundred HD. Yeah. She's four foot eleven and three quarters. <laughs> Well, That's you know, so I, awesome. You okay, have no okay. idea how proud of you so, I am right now. So I actually had to tow a Ford 350 out of the mud. You did? Yeah. And and the, the 2500 was awesome. Um, We're not supposed just, to say brands. You, you hauled a, another an truck. Well, you can say brands. It's a car show. <laughs> we talk about brands. Um, and you have a Camaro too. Yes. She Which pretty, needs a little help at the moment. Don't upset Jen. You're wrestlers both to the ground. <laughs> She's not messing around. Uh, I just spent a few days in Santa Monica test driving a brand new Volvo, the S60 and the V60, which is the wagon version of the 60. Here's oh. the interesting thing. Uh, the S60 made in the United States. I have a story that will make you tear up, which is really incredible. It happened to me in Santa Monica. That's coming up. Russell Dat's going to join us on the phone. Uh, he's from Volvo. We're going to find out all about the very first Volvo made in the United States, which uh, I think is a milestone in itself. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. We'll be back after this. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is on the way. 
Nick Miles, and this is our Auto Expert. So I will say that uh, I've enjoyed uh, driving Volvos for a number of years. Uh, the Volvo brand went through a rebirth recently, and uh, I think the rebirth is probably the best the brand has ever been. Well known for safety, uh, the cars are a lot of fun to drive, and the award shelf is growing, by the way. It seems like all, every time that Volvo is up for an award, they seem to uh, win an awful lot of awards as well. Joining us on the phone, Russell Datz from Volvo to talk about the brand new S60 and V60. So, big milestone for you, Russell, with this new car. Uh, first time that uh, you've had a vehicle made in the United States, is that right? It is, Nick. That's right. Uh, the S60 is built at our brand new factory in Ridgeville, South Carolina, near Charleston. So was it a, a big, uh, I would say, kerfuffle to, to get a, a plant built in the United States? This probably uh, started at least five years ago, five or six years ago. So it's been a, a, an awful lot of work to get cars built here on the, on the shores of, of the North America. The other thing I think that was interesting about it is that I always thought Volvos were made in Sweden, but uh, it appears that you guys are branching out all over the world. Well, we do have a manufacturing footprint now on all three continents. Yes, we do make cars in Sweden. We also make cars in uh, Ghent, Belgium, in China, and now in the United States, North America. Now, the, the S60 is, what do you say, is the core vehicle for the brand? Because uh, initially, the, obviously, the midsize sedan was... I would say America's number one selling car now sort of taken over by the SUV segment. Is that your biggest seller or uh, is the uh, uh, XC90 uh, slowly creeping up on those sales because that's been such a hit as well as, well as the 60? Well, uh, you're right. The demand for SUVs here in the United States uh, uh, is unique to this country. So the XC90 SUV and the XC60, both, by the way, are North American car of the year winners. Uh, are the biggest sellers here in this country. But the S60, uh, made in Charleston, is going to be built for export around the world. So it's still a very, very important vehicle for us. Now, safety, of course, a uh, big Volvo flag. Uh, you guys, uh, the original inventors of the seatbelt, uh, the three-point rear-facing child safety belt as well, I believe, in the back. Some really cool uh, features as well, things like the uh, installed uh, child bumper seats in the rear seat, which is actually my favorite out of all of those. Uh, until now, I guess my favorite now is after I was with you in uh, California is the fact that you now have dog cages, uh, purpose-built dog cages in the back of your uh, V6, uh, V90, I think it was, that I, I saw down there in California. Uh, by the way, I absolutely have to have one of those. But but ultimately, safety still a big flag flyer for Volvo. Of course, it's uh, it's one of our core values. You know, Volvo was started in 1927 uh, by people for people. So that safety tenant carries through to this day. We have more than 20 world firsts in safety. You mentioned a few of them there: the seatbelt, uh, whiplash protection side impact protection, those built-in child boosters, uh, many uh, uh, firsts for us. And that continues through with the new S62 with things like runoff road mitigation and oncoming traffic uh, avoidance. Uh, we try to take it through to, to the next level. We set a goal called Vision 2020 that no one should be killed or seriously injured in a new Volvo by 2020. And those kinds of uh, innovations and technologies are going to help us achieve that. 
Let's talk about some of those things because I was kind of impressed with the new seats in this uh, V and S60, which are uh, just regular seats and super comfortable, which Volvo well known for. But they also have, uh, if you run off road, if the off road mitigation isn't enough to keep you on road and you run off road, uh, they can actually help protect you because of special uh, design features in the seats. That's right. Uh, we have a, uh, a group of engineers that study. Uh, collisions uh, outside of the Volvo headquarters in Sweden. They've been doing this for decades. Whenever there's an, uh, a collision involving a Volvo, we go out and inspect the, uh, the incident, and we study exactly what happened. And what we found is many uh, uh, incidents are caused, single vehicle incidents where people leave the road, either they're distracted or they fall asleep or they're avoiding something in the road, and the car goes off the shoulder and then launches up in the air and comes down pretty hard transmitting vertical forces into first through the suspension, then through the chassis of the car, into the seat, and then ultimately into your back, which is not a good thing. Uh, so what we've done is we've built crump- crumple zones into our seats in the new all-new Volvos that will help dissipate energy away from your back and into these replaceable pieces uh, that, uh, that are much less expensive and uh, uh, much less valuable than your back. And here, big thumbs up from everybody here, I think, too. Although we probably won't be running any of your press uh, press cars off-road, Russell, just to, you know, just to check that it works. The other piece of software that I like that you have done is uh, is you've installed a software which helps uh, protect you, may not uh, help avoid 100%, but if uh, someone wanders across the center line into your lane and it can actually prime the safety features in the car to avoid a severe, you know, much more of a severe uh, accident head-on. That's right. It's called oncoming traffic avoidance. So if you're, for example, you're driving down a two-lane twisty road or maybe you're looking to pass, and suddenly uh, a car is coming in the opposite direction. Uh, whether you're trying to pass or you're distracted or worse, falling asleep, which can happen to some people, uh, this system will actually engage and use the brakes of the inboard wheels as well as steering input to bring you back into your lane much faster than you could on your own, uh, which is a, a fantastic way to help uh, avoid unnecessary collisions. Now, one of the things I think impressed me the most, and uh, we would be very, I guess, neglectful in our uh, discussion of Volvo's uh, inclusion in the United States as, as a manufacturer now, is the fact that when we got in uh, California, in Santa Monica, to test drive these cars, uh, you guys had done something I've never seen anybody do before, and that is you had had your members of the factory team, some of the team leaders, some of the people that spend their time putting these cars together to make sure that they do great American craftsmanship on a product which is going to go out all over the world, you'd had them write notes to all of us inside the car, which, first of all, was a pretty heartwarming thing, but what it really pointed out to the journalists who were on the ride and drive for the introduction of the new S and V60 was there is a culture, a cultural change. There is human participation. There is hands on the ground from local people in in South Carolina where the factory is. Um, but it was a nice gesture from you. Is Was the idea of having them write notes to the journalists who are driving their cars really to sort of highlight the the faces behind the brand, the faces in the factory? It was, and not only just for journalists, but for customers as well. I believe that we're going to be extending that 
uh, what you saw to uh, to our customer delivery experience, and certainly we'll be doing it at the uh, Los Angeles Auto Show, where the S60 will be making its auto show debut at the end of November. It's it's kind of a nice idea because it has changed. Uh, it has really changed the landscape, hasn't it? The factory. I mean, it, it's brought it's brought much needed community and jobs. And it seems like I mean, what I'm getting feedback from the factory PR team and also what I read of the notes that you uh, put in the car from those people. It's sort of been a, a shining beacon to what America can do really well. Is is the factory right? Well, look, uh, America was built on manufacturing jobs, and we're creating more now in South Carolina. The plant opened up a few weeks ago. We've got about 1,000 people working there now. We'll have up to upwards of 3,900 uh, people uh, working there in the, in the future, building S60s and XC90s. Uh, and we're very proud of that. The people who build these cars are not just plucked off the street and, and uh, you know, uh, a wrench put in their hands. They are very smart people uh, with very specific skill sets that are building high-tech, high-quality machines for consumers that will last them sometime, maybe even decades. And that does not come easy. So, yeah, we're proud of the jobs that we're creating. We're proud of the people who are on the team and the, the person on the assembly line who is uh, uh, making sure that the wheels are bolted on properly is just as important to the Volvo experience as the CEO who's making the business strategy decisions to decide in which direction the company will go. Excellent. Russell Dads from Volvo. Russell, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. The S60 and V60 coming into showrooms uh, very near you very soon. Enjoy the car, and we'll say it's got excellent dog capabilities. Might have one in my household very soon. Russell Dads from Volvo. Still more on our auto expert to come. Stand by. More auto expert with Nick Miles is on the way. the fast lane. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. My favorite part of the weekend, of course, our auto expert uh, going through everything that's happening in the car industry and future vehicles that you'll get to see on the roads coming very, very soon. So a lot is happening. And of course, we like to find out all the business side of everything that's going on with our uh, independent investor and analyst, Anton Woolman, joining us on the phone. So Anton, uh, a busy week. Uh, one of the things that I was most interested in that is uh, Senator Brasso, uh, Brasso is introducing a Senate legislation to end the $7,500 federal tax credit, uh, a limit after 30 days, uh, it would become law. Is, this a, is there any reality that this could be uh, happening, or is the likelihood that this is just an attempt to, uh, to get rid of it that won't get the votes it needs? Well, we had a similar attempt uh, a year ago. Uh, you might remember that the big tax bill contained a provision that was passed in the House of Representatives that would have accomplished this effective December 31st of 2017. As it turns out, when this bill was handed over to the United States Senate, the Senate stripped this particular provision out of the bill, and uh, that was indeed what became law. So there were no changes in the similar attempt a year ago at changing this legislation in this kind of way. 
So at this point, I kind of see it as somewhat unlikely that this provision on its own is going to somehow make itself through the legislature, uh, both chambers of uh, the U.S. Congress, and make it to the president's desk. So I give this particular proposal right now uh, pretty long odds. I mean, it seems strange to me that a senator would spend so much time pushing through a piece of legislation that has such a slim chance of survival. Uh, there must be a plan B in his mind uh, to make that uh, you know happen, because otherwise, doesn't it seem like an extreme waste of uh, time and energy? Well, I think that this particular legislation, uh, contrary to the big tax bill from last year, is a very small, narrow, and targeted bill. You can actually, as a layperson, read this text and not be entirely too confused, which is not what you can say about almost any other piece of legislative text that has ever been put in forth of, uh, of Congress. So uh, it was probably pretty easy and quick for him to do this. And secondly... He threw in an extra provision in there, and that is that essentially there would be a national road tax on uh, vehicles that do not presently uh, pay road taxes effectively. And those are the various types of zero emissions vehicles, purely electric cars, as well as uh, hydrogen fuel cell cars. So that was also in there. And I think what he's trying to address with that is that saying, look, we got all of these cars that uh, no longer uh, are paying uh, road tax, but roads have to be maintained. That it's not just state roads, but also federal highways. And this is a way to get to that. We'll get uh, those cars to pay up a couple hundred bucks a year. And we get there, at least in part, by eliminating the up to $7,500 per uh, car worth of a tax credit that is currently applied to uh, these types of vehicles. Anton, it looks like tax credits are under the hammer in a lot of different places. Tesla saying that if it will not, well, it will not guarantee that you'll get the 7,500 federal tax credit in case of orders that are made after October the 15th, which obviously is, uh, is a little late for you to make that. But uh, the likelihood of you not getting that tax credit after the 15th, 100%, or is it sort of buy Tesla's as soon as you can kind of uh, flash sale? Well, I think it is. There's a bit of a, almost like a legal requirement for them to provide a hard date for custom orders, because otherwise we get into this gray zone when you might get it, you, you might not, and there's no promise. At some point, they have to say, look, if you do, if you custom order a Tesla before such and such a date, you will get the car uh, before December 31st, and hopefully have some pretty fat safety margin baked into that number chances are pretty high that those who order a custom-made Tesla after October 15th will probably also get their vehicle before the end of the year. Uh, it just can't be guaranteed. And furthermore, which is probably even more important, you can actually go to your favorite Tesla store and just pick up a car on the lot. I was just at a lot a week ago uh, somewhere else in the country, and you see these tags onto the cars that are sitting on the vehicles on the lot, this was a Model 3, and it says inventory vehicle. Well, this is a car that's sitting there, and anybody who shows up with uh, 52 grand can basically uh, walk out of the store with this car within the hour. And so 
Tesla's backlog in the United States today, where you essentially have to be on some sort of wait list, is essentially gone for most people, for most configurations, certainly the ones that are uh, available for order right now. That, that wait list is gone. I mean, if you electric vehicles as a whole, even though there's an opportunity to get the 7,500 federal tax credit, the fact is that they still sometimes cost an awful lot more to register. Uh, our news anchor Jeff was telling us that he uh, had to pay double the amount to register his Nissan Leaf in Washington State than he did for his actual gas car. So uh, there are certain things that uh, allow you to do better for electric vehicles, but there are also some areas in which you end up paying more than you would. Well, so the, the case that you mentioned is a state law, in that case specific to the state of Washington. Uh, it's essentially uh, the same, the, the sort of the state version of what Senator Barrasso is trying to pass in Washington, D.C., which is to say that currently road taxes are effectively uh, paid for via gasoline and diesel taxes that you, know, you pay to maintain these roads. And because you don't buy gasoline or diesel, with your electric car, this money eventually has to come from somewhere. So there's a small number of states that just started introducing this annual fee of a uh, one or two hundred dollars uh, that started doing so in the last year or so, uh, and uh, that is uh, that's a kind of a new impact here. And the feds are looking at doing the same. All right, Anton Wallman is an independent investor and analyst. Uh, when we come back off the break, Anton, I want to talk to you about what's going on in Norway because Norway has seen a huge shift in electric vehicles from one side to the other. We're going to find out what that actually means when we come back. This is our auto expert. I'm Nick Myers. More of our auto expert with Nick Miles is coming up. It's our auto expert with Nick Miles. We have Anton Woolman on the phone. Anton, independent analyst and investor. You can see much of his stuff at SeekingAlpha.com where you can read the articles about what's going on in the auto industry and the background. Uh, Norway having quite a change in selling vehicles went from uh, Tesla being Tesla S and X being one of the premium electric cars sold in Norway to the Jaguar I-Pace taking over. Well, we've got early registration data for the month of October. Mind you, we're only uh, sort of halfway into the month here, but so far uh, the Jaguar I-Pace has been outselling the Tesla Model S and X combined. Uh, now, of course, first of all, in Norway, the Model 3 is not yet available for sale as it is nowhere else in the rest of Europe for that matter. So uh, uh, these are just the more expensive Tesla models, but uh, Jaguar so far has got an early start. They uh, started selling in the middle of September and uh, they are already outselling uh, Tesla. Uh, Tesla, they're both of their more expensive models uh, so far this month. Do we have an idea of pre-orders for the United States for the I-Pace? Is it likely to make a dent in Tesla's kingdom? No, not in the United States. I mean, clearly they have some pre-orders for the United States, but I, I imagine Jaguar's not as big of a brand as it is in Europe. So in the U.S., Jaguar has a decidedly more modest position. That doesn't mean that that couldn't change, but, uh, you know, Jaguar has not yet 
gone down the road to give us an indication of how good their order book is in the United States. So I think we should have pretty modest expectations for that on this uh, side of the pond. Just to help you out, Anton, it's uh, Jaguar, not Jaguar. Just, you know, just in case you wanted to know. <laughs> it's in the tree. It's a big cat in the tree. It's a big cat, a big black cat in the tree uh, that looks very pretty with nice green sparkling eyes. They're looking at uh, becoming an EV-only brand in Jaguar, uh, Jaguar sort of a, a contemplation. Any reality in that happening? Well, there there's lots to that. I should just add one thing to what we just said about uh, sales numbers for, for Jaguar I-Pace, and that is that between now and the end of the year, a very large percentage of Jaguar's production of the I-Pace electric uh, crossover is going to go to only one country, and that is Holland, the Netherlands. And the reason for that is because uh, Holland has a very significant electric car purchase incentive that ends on December 31st. So you can pretty much bet your last living penny that only very, very few electric cars will be sold in Holland in 2019 unless there's a change in the law. But between now and the end of the year, I heard that Jaguar is looking to deliver 3,500 units of the I-Pace in Holland. And that probably leaves fairly few units for the rest of Europe as well as for North America. So I think U.S. deliveries aren't really going to be significant until we get a month or so into the new calendar year. And at that point, we should also see numbers in places like Norway grow even larger. So even though they're outselling Tesla right now, Tesla is also not selling very many cars in Norway so far in the month of October. But I think that the consumer response to the Jaguar I-Pace has been very, very positive. Uh, Jaguar has held a variety of consumer events around the country and the world. And I think a lot of people are impressed by how the car looks, uh, you know, how it seems to perform. And I think Jaguar is very tempted at about five or six years from now, transform the brand into an all-electric car brand and have that sit side-by-side with uh, Land Rover, which, of course, will probably carry on with the gasoline and diesel offerings a little bit longer. We're listening to uh, Anton Warman talk about uh, Jaguar and Tesla. He's an independent analyst and investor. You can read his uh, items at uh, SeekingAlpha.com. This is Our Auto Expert, and I'm Nick Miles. So Jaguar, Jaguar Land Rover kind of have some problems. They have these large, great SUVs that are extremely capable, at least on the Land Rover side. They have performance sedans. They now have uh, the diesel vehicles, which are not selling as well as they'd hoped. Uh, the diesel factory is looking at uh, slowing down its production of those diesel vehicles since Europe is no longer in favor of diesel vehicles. They have an amazing, and I would uh, go as far as saying the best vehicle I have driven this year, hands down, is the Jaguar I-Pace. The truth is they can't make enough of them and they have an excess of the vehicles that aren't so popular right now. How are they going to rectify this? Yeah, so Jaguar got caught by two things that were at least in part outside of their control. First of all, uh, there's a new text testing regime in Europe with respect to how you measure 
the fuel economy of cars on the market. And many automakers have been caught by this change in this testing regime that effectively took uh, into effect here right around October 1st in, in most of Europe. And that means that the automakers that are selling their cars into Europe have to change their mix of their cars sold or they get hit by very heavy fines. Basically, this testing regimen measures the CO2 output of these cars. And when they changed the testing cycle into a more uh, difficult to achieve one, uh, that caused the mix, the fleet mix that they were able to push through the consumer channel to have to essentially curtail sales of thirstier cars. And of course, Jaguar and Land Rover is very heavily geared toward heavier and thirstier cars. So that has been a big problem. Then on top of that is the mix inside the, the Jaguar Land Rover brands. And that is that while Land Rover has done very, very well because everybody wants SUVs, um, Jaguar is mostly or has in the past been mostly sedans. And the XE, the XF, and the XJ have suffered tremendously in, in the sales column. So Jaguar has now, for the first time in several years, seen a decline in sales, whereas uh, Land Rover keeps on holding up uh, reasonably well. No, they, so, they, do, they do have uh, three SUVs out now, though. They have the E-Pace, the I-Pace, and the F-Pace. They do, and, and the, you know, the, the F-Pace is now essentially half of their sales. The E-Pace is coming along and adding a few percentage points to that, and now the I-Pace will start sale here in the United States just in the next couple of weeks. So that there's, there's a shift there that's happening for Jaguar, but they're not far enough yet on that uh, mix to uh, avoid being hurt by uh, the change in consumer preferences. So they're clearly going to launch more SUVs, and they have to get the production up of uh, of both the I-Pace and the E-Pace, both of which are made in Austria by Magna, which also makes the Mercedes G as well as the BMW 5 Series plug-in hybrid, and getting enough units to uh, cream out of that factory is an ongoing challenge. The perfect storm is brewing, not necessarily in the United States, somewhat in the United States, but definitely in Europe as well. So cars are on the decline. We're likely to see in the United States at least 2 million le less cars made annually than we have had. We've been close to 18 million uh, uh, annually produced and sold. Uh, we now may be looking at as few as 16 million cars sold in the United States, which actually makes a very good uh, situation for people who are looking to buy a car because obviously car companies are more eager to do business with them. But in Europe, they have the, have the added new mandates of 35% CO2 reduction for new car sales by 2023 that's coming up. They have new ways of testing, which is sitting there right now. Uh, the likelihood is that some car companies may be suffering heavily and one of those that has been highlighted that may be having problems is Mazda. Uh, do you think some car companies are going to end up being traded or uh, going to merge because of these new things that are coming along on the horizon of uh, better economy, uh, better uh, emissions from vehicles? That's right. So Ford and Volkswagen are exploring a new type of relationship and uh, Mazda and Toyota have already entered a new development relationship that will lower their R&D cost for all sorts of technologies that are increasingly expensive and, and really need to be spread over a larger volume of uh, manufacturing. So uh, these automakers are absolutely exploring all of those things uh, very extensively right now. And these new rules that are being proposed in 
Europe and are essentially on the verge of, of, of passing a, a law that uh, you need to reduce CO2 emissions in Europe in terms of car sales by 35% by year 2030 have been said by several of the automakers over there from BMW to Volkswagen to be extremely punitive because uh, the cost that this will add to the automobiles is going to be so high that uh, consumers are going to be forced to buy fewer cars. And uh, that is, of course, going to cause effectively some form of a recession in the in the automotive uh, sales industry over there. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of time between now and 2030. But when you think about the planning cycles that are facing these automakers, um, you know, barely a decade here is, is not that long time at all. You need to plan for what kind of supply chain that you're going to have, whether you're going to have more batteries or more engines or spend more time on uh, other uh, emission reducing technologies. And the rules need to be somewhat stable. And this really changes the equation a lot. And it's going to impact the profitability, no matter what, of these automakers, uh, very, very severely. And the question is just whether it will drive some of these companies completely off the ledge. That's the risk. So let's turn our uh, sights on VW. Uh, obviously newly recovered and almost 100% recovered now from the Dieselgate scandal. They uh, they now have a new head. Uh, Scott Kehoe, who was the head of Audi for the United States, has now moved to the head of VW. In the last 60 seconds, tell us, do you think things are going to change at VW? Well, uh, certainly uh, Scott had a superior track record at Audi. Audi, for those who didn't know, have essentially seen increasing sales for, I think, at least uh, the last seven or so years in a row, every single month. Uh, it's only Subaru and Audi that can show a track record that is so consistent and so long-lasting. So whatever the magic was, if he can apply that to Volkswagen's performance in the United States, uh, that would uh, certainly be a miracle. Keep in mind that Volkswagen, though, has been one of the better performers over the last two years in particular in the U.S. market. They've added two new SUVs, one very large SUV called the Atlas, and then the new Tiguan, which is meaningfully larger than the old Tiguan. And those two models have really driven Volkswagen sales in the United States so as to allow them to gain the market share in 2017 and 2018. So uh, the company is already doing pretty well here, at least in the short term. But the challenges as we move forward and as competitors enter this market yet again, and the Volkswagen will have its first very significant all-electric vehicle on the market at the very end of 2020 in the United States, a crossover that has yet been given a, for been given a formal name. Uh, you know, preparing for that and executing on that launch, maybe it required new leadership. And Tom Wallman, independent investor and analyst. You can read his uh, stuff at SeekingAlpha.com. And Anton, uh, of course, will be back with us next week at the same time. You can listen to the show 24-7 uh, online at OurAutoExpert.com. And Ryan, Jen, and I will be back next week with more information about cars. Of course, don't forget to follow us on social media. Send us messages. Tell us you like us.